0: <laughs> and we call taxi, and with Killian, I open the door to I put in the taxi, and I close the door, and I want to go
1: inside, and Killian go out. <laughs> You're gonna get someone messaging you afterwards saying, "Oh, did you mention me?" <laughs> hey, fuckers! <laughs> <laughs> He, 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 she say, "You, I cry because you are here today."
0: she will come. will Hello and welcome to the No Choftes podcast, the alpha podcast. I'm delighted to be welcoming back a friend of the network and regular guest of mine. Um, He's been so generous with his time over the years to talk about his superb books. Today's guest has been a regular on the show, always generous with his time and allowing me to interview him and talk about his many books. My guest, Wayne Barn, is a prolific book writer. Books have now taken almost the whole shelf on my bookshelf and he's rightly lauded for his work. And former Man United chairman Martin Edward described him perfectly as the preeminent writer on Manchester United. And I can't argue with that. People know I'm an unashamed fan of yours, Wayne. And if it's not books you're writing, it's hosting podcasts with Paul Parker and Patrick Barkley, among others. Now, The book we're going to talk about today, Wayne's latest book, is the biography on Wayne Rooney. And it's titled Wayne Rooney, Teenage Kits, Street Footballer Who Ruled the World. Um, it is the first comprehensive biography of Rooney's playing career and includes brand new stories and exclusive new insights from former teammates plus unique archive images. And for the first time, Rooney's career is recounted in full and scrutinised in depth. Wayne, welcome to the show. How are you, my friend?
1: I'm not bad. How are you?
0: I'm good. I'm good. Um, before we start discussing the book, just want to say that even though we've known each other for so long, spoken many times, meeting you outside Old Trafford very recently was fantastic. Almost like a culmination of a long journey.
1: Yeah, and we've done it twice now. I mean, it's like we a bus. We have, yeah, like we a have a regular regulars. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Wayne, let's kick off by, with you telling everyone why you wrote the book. I mean, it's a slight departure from your usual biography, isn't it? Talk us through about how the idea for the book came about.
1: Yeah, it, it's a little bit different because anyone who's read my work knows that thats tend to stick my head in the past. Um, this one, look, my writing profile rose... Almost exclusively, thanks to something that I wrote on Rooney for a blog that I was writing on over ten years ago when he put in his first transfer request. Um, I, I wrote a blog, and it got picked up. It went viral, as it was then. It went, I was on CNN talking about it and stuff like that. And it was an open letter, one of those cringy things. But at the time, it wasn't like an open letter begging him to stay or anything. It was more like, if you leave, you're turning your back on the history that you stand to create. If you if you stay. And, like, you're the one who will lose out on that because, you know, it's within your grasp. Imagine being, like, you know, because those records of, you know, Bobby Charlton's, they stood for generations. Also, how long it took Ryan Giggs to break the appearance one and then set the new one, which will probably never be broken. So the goal one, so, like, he knew that it was in his reach to do that if he stayed. And uh, so that's what I was was basically writing about. And um, so from that moment, basically, I'd always felt like this sort of, Obligation to always talk about Rooney whenever I should. Um, And, you know, obviously we followed his career as as United fans as well. And, And so that sort of argument of as he reached his potential, you know, as he surpassed his potential, all that sort of stuff, why isn't he the best in the world? Why are Ronaldo and Messi able to go on for so long? All those kind of conversations. And when, I mean, so I think at the time I started writing books, I just, so I presume that one day there'd be a book about Wayne Rooney in there. So I always like doing all my research, making sure that I'd saved everything I needed to save got folders of newspaper clippings. Every time I did an interview, I'm making sure that I'm just getting a few little bits about Rooney, that sort of stuff. But the actual, the emergence of the book and how fast it came along was that it was my agent. He just said to me when we were talking about another book and then Rooney retired, and he said, "I think he probably." Like everyone on Twitter was saying to me, "Oh, you're going to write a Rooney book now he's retired." So my agent saw all that, and he just said, "Look, people are asking for it. We should see if we can deliver it." And we did. He said, "Are you in a good position to do it?" And I sent him a screenshot. And um, some pictures of like all my research, what was already ready to do it. And he said, <laughs> All right, we'll we'll get on it then. Yeah. So um so yeah, that's that's why basically yeah. and it's such an interesting character study that um you know he's a leading goal scorer in Manchester United in England history. Um he's done some extraordinary things. I was uh, very keen to tell that story.
0: Excellent. I mean, um Rooney Rooney was identified very, very early on as a prodigious, a prodigious talent. And it proved very difficult for Everton to hold him back from playing in the first team. And, and and you talk about that in the book. Moyes' manager at the time resisted, though, didn't he?
1: Yeah, obviously Moyes came in at a time. He, he succeeded Walter Smith at, at a time when Rooney was on the periphery anyway. I mean, he was still young. I think he was only just 16 when Moyes came in. So, but he'd, always, he'd inherited this incredible talent who was doing incredible things at, at youth team and reserve team level. In the reserves, I think probably in the weeks before Moyes signed or, or maybe the weeks after he played in a reserve game against United where he absolutely bullied David May. And May was like a seasoned defender and he, and he absolutely bullied him in a reserve team game. And he showed that confidence. Obviously, he'd already been showing it in first-team training with the likes of Alan Stubbs and Joseph Yobo. And if anyone remembers Yobo, he's an absolute unit. you know. So Rooney wasn't showing any fear in these things. So it was very much a case of... Um, you know, Rooney's going to play. And Moise wanted to. I think there was were some rules at the at first that prohibited him because he was still in school and they were trying to get around that, I believe. That was one of the early rules. And then I do think that Moise wanted to play him as soon as he could because Moyes had this idea that it was, you know, it would be his introduction to it. Do you know what I mean? Like he was introducing Rooney into Football World, which would be a feather in his cap. Um, and obviously, as soon as that chance came around in the following season, he didn't hold back. He was playing him straight away. Um, his management, obviously the management of Rooney and Moyes and how, how that was handled was very difficult. I, I think like even a more experienced manager would have found it difficult because Rooney... I mean, at the club and the level and profile that Rooney was at and the level of his stardom and how quickly he became a star name in the league, any other manager... You're really only talking maybe Fergie at United, Wenger at Arsenal. Maybe Wenger at Arsenal wouldn't have handled him completely properly, but a very small number of managers and clubs who could have probably handled that as well as Moyes did, to be fair. Um, very difficult for him to to deal with. It looked like it was a blessing, but it turned out to be not so. Um, and anyone who reads the book will probably remember it as they're going across it, like, going, oh, yeah, that actually happened the way that it did. And, yeah, it was a very difficult situation for him because as much as it looked like Moyes was out of his depth a little bit, Rooney was also pushing the buttons and making it a little bit too difficult for him as well.
0: I think, I think what's great for um, reading the book is... Being a United fan, I'm just focused on his United years. Obviously, there's England. Obviously, there's post-United. But this, this Everton part at the beginning sort of shapes who you know, the, the personality, who Rooney is. And if we go back to you know when he was that young, public speaking was never one of his strengths. But you outlined in the first few chapters that during his time at Everton, uh, when it came to football, he was very confident in his ability. You could say arrogant even. And this rumbustiousness led him to even question his manager, David Moyes, you know, where did this come from? I mean, in the book, you do say um, it's, it's immaturity rather than unprofessionalism. How did that look to Moyes, to his coach, Alan Irvine, and even to other players? Did they just accept it that he's a young kid and he'll grow out of it? Or, you know, he's such a talented player, we've got to work with him on that.
1: Yeah, I think, remember Moyes was a very young manager as well and quite inexperienced because he was coming from Preston, wasn't he? He was only yeah, just into top top league experience himself, so he was dealing with it that way. Um, yeah, I, I think obviously 90% of it was down to immaturity and the fact that he was so good. I've likened the, the progression and the, the burst. Really, they'd only seen, I can't think of anyone that young apart from George Best who came through and obviously we're talking about a very, very different era of football, like 40 years separated Rooney coming through and George coming through. George was a little bit shy. Rooney wasn't, he was kind of like encouraged by every, all of these sort of peers were encouraging him because they couldn't believe they got a player that good who was playing with them. Also the, the, Older players took him under their wing as well because he was as good as them. So they wanted him around. Do you know? At United, it was very difficult, uh, a very different environment, both for the Class of 92 and the likes of George Best because they were players who had achieved a lot in the game already. Do you know? And I'm not saying that the Everton players hadn't achieved. I'm talking about serial trophy winners. We know the level I'm talking about. So when Rooney comes through and he's being talked about as one of potentially one of the greatest English players of all time from the age of 15 or 16. It's a very difficult, volatile situation for them to handle. And he knew it. He did know because, again, the parallel with George, George broke into the side and it only took him a matter of weeks before he realised he he could do the things he was doing to young kids. That was the same for Rooney. It wasn't long before he realised, look, I can just play my natural way and be one of the best players in the league. And once you've got that kind of settlement and that kind of confidence that comes from that, especially... Rooney being from where he was from and the fact that, they, you know, you can call it lack of education, oh, the fact that he just he knew that his future was in football, so he wasn't that dedicated to his schoolwork. He just wanted to play football all the time. And I'm not calling him uneducated. I think he was very streetwise and he knew the game very much. I, I'm talking about natural natural maturities as, as comes with age and the fact that you're from a working class background and everything, you're missing ten years of education and the way to behave and conduct yourself. It's only—I mean, when it came to moving to United, that you you saw that he understood that he'd made mistakes. What he was doing before, he he actually addressed that himself. So the period of time where he's making these kind of childish mistakes, like mistakes, we say playing football after after he's played a game, he go on the streets and play with his friends. That would be classified as a mistake, just as much as getting involved in a little scuffle with one of his cousins or something like that. These kind of things. But by that point, because Rooney was so good and he was so dominant in that Everton team, he could go toe-to-toe with, um, with Moyes. And the problem that you've got, what do you do with an empowered 16 or 17-year-old who was entitled? Very, very difficult thing for him to handle, especially a manager who wasn't as experienced in, in, in David Moyes. Even Moyes probably now would be able to deal with it a lot better than what he did at the time.
0: Yeah, good point, good point. Um, Fast forward to Euro 2004, and that was quite a seminal moment for Rooney. Um, He he was sensational. Um, I went online and watched some clips um, prior to to, to recording this, and he bullied seasoned international defenders. He he was like a force of nature, a battering ram. Um, Was it what he did on this world stage and with those performances that piqued the interest of big clubs? And is this one reason United and Ferguson had to move quickly to acquire his signature. I mean, intertwined here is, I guess, the falling out with Moyes. Take us on a succinct journey from Euro 2004, some of the issues with Moyes, and then the transfer. Was it a perfect storm for United to acquire Rooney?
1: Yeah, there'd been a a couple of issues at Everton where he'd, he'd wanted more money. They delayed a contract offer. They delayed the terms a couple of times and stuff like that, even when he was getting the new contracts. There'd also been an occasion where he took the armband. Someone had thrown him the, you know, the captain's armband, and he was still only eighteen, and he wore it. And had told him to get that effing thing off, and you know what I mean. He, those kind of things. He was like, "Well, why do I need to do that? Because I'm st- I am establishing myself as a leader in this team, and you know, you know, there's a certain amount of pride, right? You'd want to be the youngest ever ever in captain and stuff like that, and those kind of things were were coming to the boil. Um, there was a, ve- a very strong rumor earlier probably around January of that year, 2004, that United had tried to do a deal to sign him and Rooney had gone around telling everyone, um, his mates at Everton, that he was going to sign for United. didn't go through for whatever reason. And United signed Louis Saha. And a sign of their ambition for for the year was seen when they signed Alan Smith in May, as soon as Leeds were relegated. So they weren't looking to sign another striker. And like you quite rightly say, Rooney burst onto the um, onto the world stage with the European Championship performance. He said in his recent documentary that he felt like he was the best player in the world at the time. And that might have been a stretch. Definitely the best young player in the world because um, he, he did. You're quite right. He was bullying those defenders. Not just. I mean, the the famous example is when he tore Lilian Turam to bits in the. And Turam was so. He, he embodied that sort of physicality and strength in a defender. So you, he'd be the one. You know, like Cialini, he wouldn't see these players get embarrassed, but he was. He was absolutely embarrassed by him because Rooney just caught him on the hop and obviously Sylvester brought him down for the penalty and that would have been... It would have been the greatest European Championship goal of all time. It would have even eclipsed what Van Basten did because of the youthfulness and the energy of that run. You would have been set. You'd have been talking about it forever. Mm-hmm. Um, you still talk about the run forever because it, yeah. it was masterful the way that he did it. But then it wasn't just that. It was obviously the goals against Switzerland were one thing, but Croatia at the time remember they were a very very seasoned team. They were very very strong. They were they were the team that. Like Sweden used to be a few years earlier. That if you weren't on your A game in a international tournament, they're going to take the result against you. So Rooney was the difference in these games, um, and he would have been the difference if England hadn't imploded against France as well. So yeah, and then obviously gets the injury, and, um, and then he's out of the the rest of the tournament, and England are eliminated as they usually are. Um, but so Rooney's is. Sort of status in the tournament isn't hurt; he's in fact enhanced because now everyone's saying if if he um, if he stays fit, England win the tournament. Is even uh, the Everton fans already had the chant "The White Pele," but then everyone was describing his impact in that tournament as Pele-esque. Um, and in a way, obviously that he was befitting, because he deserved it because of everything that he did in that tournament. But then it became a little bit like a, a noose around him every time there was an international tournament. Um, but yeah, that obviously that sowed the seed then because what was he going to do? He wasn't going to stay at Everton. Everton were in a massive financial difficulty, um, and to be fair, I think if you look at the events the way that they happen, it's very convenient for Everton. Um, they, they would have been reluctant sellers for sure, but that was an inflated market thanks to Chelsea's recent um, financial takeover. Mourinho was just he'd just taken over as Chelsea manager, so they were spending a lot. The money, Um so there was a very inflated market there there was an opportunity to capitalise the other clubs who wanted to keep pace with Chelsea would have to invest a lot of money in, to get in a player Um where the other clubs were lucky was that Chelsea had already bought their forwards they bought Drogba they weren't interested in getting well they couldn't even Chelsea couldn't justify getting a player like Rooney who wasn't going to be playing for them um as much as he should be because he was not going to be held back now So, Newcastle took advantage of that. United would have probably still preferred to wait that year because they were stocked in in the forward positions. They didn't need another forward. Um, And then, obviously, it accelerated as it did in the last week of the transfer window. And as soon as Newcastle put the offer in, which was obviously very genuine, they, they wanted him, there was this sort of set to where Rooney had asked them to put in a close where if United had come in a year... Would they, you know, would they allow um, Newcastle to... Would Newcastle allow him to, to go to United? Obviously, Newcastle were omming and aahing over that. But if you look at that, that actually, to me, puts a lot of truth in what had happened in January because he must have had his heart set on a move to United if he was insisting on a close like that. Um, and obviously, that accelerated United's interest, which, as we know, um, was successful.
0: Yeah. So, on to United and that debut absolutely sensational, as we know, uh, and so very Rooney. Um, as a renowned United historian, Wayne, can you think of a better debut for United?
1: No, he's one that of, of you have to think about, it, don't you? It's one of those, you look back and there have been some great debuts. I mean, we all remember Ronaldo's um, because it was so dazzling and Golden, so... Yeah. Ronaldo's probably more uh, caught you off guard than what Rooney's did. I'm not saying Rooney's was expected, but you already had a buzz around Rooney. there was a, a certain buzz about Ronaldo, but it was more the unknown wasn't it and like, yeah. oh my God, what's he gonna do um Cantonar Cantonar didn't start particularly he didn't start in the fashion that we'd become renowned for throughout his career um best had a good debut, but he was out with the team for a few few months after that gigs um made an impression a couple of you know early on, but in terms of Impact and a global statement. It, yeah, it's the best. It's got to be the best debut in in United history that, that I can think of. I've enlisted all those. Charlton, Bobby Charlton scored twice as well. um Duncan Edwards made his debut in a four-one defeat to Cardiff. We're talking the Champions League, Old Trafford under the lights, and he plays with a fearlessness. Again, it, it shouldn't have been that fearless. For him, it was just unbelievable. I remember we were sat in the NOS and pretty sure it was tier three. We had a bird's eye view of it, and we'd scored earlier on. I think Giggs had already scored, so the, the game's already been won. We're controlling it. It was Fenerbahce, you know, we expected to win, even though Fenerbahce were the team who ended our unbeaten run at home. We expected to win this one, we were controlling it, but then Rooney just Stood, stood up and just sort of seized the game. He made it all about himself. Those, I mean, his two goals in the first half. Yeah, this way, I mean, and United are good like this, and I, I know other clubs are as well, but United in particular, and I say this because I support them, and it's obviously with bias, so I know other clubs will say it, but we've had something similar, yeah, and you may well have. United have this knack of, wherever you are in the ground watching it, or even knowing the ground, it's like a storyline unfolding. You can see it happening, and you can see... I think it's the second goal where the the ball rolls across his body and he shifts and he he just you know it's going to go in because of the way that he it's exactly what he's done in the European Championships for one of the goals. He's done it a couple of times in the the league forever and it's a trade. He's got a trademark finish at the age of eighteen. <laughs> I mean, funnily enough, I don't think that stayed with him for for the rest of his career, but at that time it was kind of like the roomy thing. Um, and then yeah, he scores the hat trick in the 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 second half and you. You know when the free kick is given. He's, even when Giggs is placing it down, you know Rooney's going to take it, and you feel like it's almost like momentum's dragging the ball into the net. It's not even Rooney doing it himself anymore, and every everything about it is so memorable. Even going down to the ripped shirt, the fact that he's you know it, it gives that impression of him just being a kid off the street. The shirt's a bit too tight. I don't want this. They might as well they might as well have dragged him in off the street. And he plays plays like that on the the biggest game of his career to you know, club career today. And um, what, what was it surprising considering we'd seen him, what he could do in the European Championship? We'd seen him against. This is another comparison I make to George. And sorry for dwelling on these, but I think the early career is very very similar. Is it was only the stage that was defining how good he was. So when he was playing in the Premier League for Everton. He was like as good as you would expect a player could be playing in the Premier League for Everton. And then when he plays on the big stage with England and you give him a chance against France, well, he's as good. He dominates the French defense who were, were winning things at international level. So when you get him in the Champions League and he scores a hat-trick on his debut, you're thinking there's no ceiling to what this lad can achieve. And yeah, I wrote it's a moment that stayed with me so much that, as you know, it forms like where it comes naturally in the book and it also forms part of the conclusion of the book because from that moment on, really, once he he was ours, once he was a United player, he was such an evocative player that um, it was memories that you measured him in, really, and that that was the first one that we had.
0: Absolutely. Um, As early as Chapter 7, Wayne, um, you asked the question which pretty much followed Rooney for his whole career, and where does he fit into the side, or more pointedly, what is his best position? I mean everyone's got a view everyone's got an angle what's, what's your what's your view
1: um I liked him playing as a number ten. I thought that that where he, he played a bit. there were different Look, he had even when I'm now when I'm looking back and I'm thinking at Rooney at his pump when when he was completely fit and he had the great players around him, and he wasn't asked you know like in later years he was either lumbered. For the better phrase, he was basically forced to play up front because we, he needed to play up front, or he was forced to play in the number 10 because we had Van Persie there. In the earlier years, when it, it was a lot more fluid and he would be popping up in different areas, I still you know, have a fondness for playing on in playing on the left-hand side and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? The, the various roles that he was doing and still being a, a magnificent player. At. Uh, but yeah, I, I think the the sort of 06 to 08 period where he was playing in that number 10 role um because he was as unplayable as Ronaldo sometimes you know he was having his own games I know Ronaldo's star went stratospheric and as I've explained in the book apart, pot and I'm sure you're probably going to talk about that at some point anyway how, how those their paths intertwined um but for that period where he was playing in, a, well, effectively a, a withdrawn striker position like Cantona, kind of thing, he's not leading the line, where he's scheming and he's popping up in different areas and stuff like that and given the freedom to do that, that's when he was at his best. I mean, even when he he was playing at number 10 behind um, Hernandez in 10-11, um, we saw some of his best form there as well, where he where he was allowed to influence the game in that forward position but not be tied to the front line of it. Um, and when he was really fit and, and physically fit and everything like that then, um, he was absolutely unbelievable, one of the best players in the world.
0: Mm. Question just popped into my head. At the point Rooney arrived at Old Trafford, was it a mutual need? And what I mean by that is, uh, did Rooney need Ferguson for his guidance, for his development, I guess, as a person as well as a player? But did Ferguson United also need Rooney?
1: Yeah, no, you're right. Um, you're absolutely right with the first one because we, as we already talked about, he was at this crossroads really. Where I think if he had stayed another year at Everton, I think he would have gone off the rails. He was already attracting a few negative headlines anyway because I think it was just this idea that he was too big for the club for Everton, and maybe he was. And I don't mean that disrespectfully for Everton. I just mean the level of controversy and the level of publicity that was around him. Everton weren't equipped to deal with that because that wasn't, they were like, they were doing well, they were doing respectfully well, but they weren't equipped to deal with a mega Um They couldn't have handled it. So it was right that he, it was right for all parties that he moved on when he did. For Rooney especially, because he had that strong arm around him in Ferguson. And also some of those other lads in the dressing room, like, you know, Roy Keane and Ryan Giggs, who weren't, they he was accommodated and almost indulged a little bit by the likes of Duncan Ferguson and Alan Stubbs, who saw the charm in him. You know, they really took to him like from when he was a young kid. But at United, they wouldn't stand for like the little scuffles and stuff like that, all playing on the streets because he was playing for United and they wanted to win things. And if he wasn't mm. being 100% professional, then they wouldn't have a great chance was winning something and so obviously Keane and Giggs and Neville, those aren't going to stand, stand for that. And he knew that himself, Rooney. So he was already booking his own ideas up, you know, appreciating this is the the sort of raise in my own standard that I need. So for all parties, yeah, it was a, it was a move that kind of needed to happen when it did. And it worked out for everyone, I think. And When never...
0: well, in the past, we've talked about the longevity, the majesty of Ferguson's reign and how there was a, constant thread of success with players arriving and being amongst players who knew what success was and how this was passed from one team to the next, this know-how being passed from one player to the next and to the new arrival. In the book, you make the observation that at the point that Roy Keane departed United, he had already passed this on to, and you called it um, the generational baton, onto Rooney. It was only 19 or 20, but he was ready though, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, I th- because it was a, about a year or so that they spent together and Keane rubbed off on for, on um, Rooney a lot. You could see that. Um, also because Rooney had a natural fire in him and a natural competitiveness. He wanted to score goals and he wanted to win games. And once he knew that, you know, that kind of personality would be expect- accepted at United and even demanded in a certain way, the way that Keane would speak about people and the way, you know, that he was accepted that he would speak as long as he was speaking for the good of the team and wanting these high standards, then he could fit in, and Rooney could say the same kind of things. Because as long as he was proving his own potential, then um, then he was entitled to do that. So yeah, he definitely rubbed off on him in a in a major way. But also in the, in the way that they played on the pitch as well. Because I mean, for that so that generational baton, like I said, needed to be passed on because it needed to be represented in the team. It wasn't the the game was changing. It was a lot more. Um, possession based because of the fact that Mourinho and Benitez have brought in this pragmatic style of killing games and you know it was a lot slower so the, that kind of energy wasn't going to be in midfield United needed it in the front line they also needed it at that time because Ronaldo he had his own personal drive and going back to I guess it ties into the last question as well is it took a little bit of the pressure off Ronaldo and allowed him to develop his own pace rather than having to you know, be a lot better because he was really struggling for a little bit of time. Ronaldo there and the crowd were on his back a little bit. So Rooney coming in with his own inconsistency sometimes, don't get me wrong, but he took the pressure off Ronaldo a little bit because now the crowd knew that they had two of the best young talents in the country and yeah, they had this sort of energy around the front line, didn't they? That um, which you know, Rooney was doing that. He was pressing from the front, and which was making a massive difference to the way that United played because they didn't have that. I know Van Nistelrooy wasn't—he uh, wasn't shirker by any stretch of imagination. Neither was Sahar, neither was Solskjaer, neither was Alan Smith. Prop Smith applied this more than any of the others um, alongside Rooney, but they, that work rate to sort of close people down. It was transformational in the way that United played for that next generation because of the way that the game was shifting as well.
0: You sort of touched on what I'm back to ask you now in, in your answer just then. Um, did the requirements of the modern game necessitate sort of a stifling of his natural instincts as a player? Not totally, but I would, I would put it like a subtle refinement as befits the evolution of the game where team structure is required, a, a process are far more important. So what what I really want to ask is, would Rooney have thrived more in previous generations?
1: No, yeah, I think that's a really good question. Um, And what, I'm going to use a very different comparison here, but it's definitely related to the question that you're asking. I was talking to, obviously anyone who listens to this might know, I know Jules Mayrana quite well. Mm. He was a lad who was plucked from non-league football in the AEA and he was put straight into the United First Team. Didn't play that many games. In the first couple of games where he played, he was dynamite. He looked scarily good. But then he was out of the team for a long time due to this kind of need to refine him because as Jules himself admits, he was a lad playing football on the park. He didn't, and he had ambitions of being a professional footballer, but he didn't have any idea what that meant in terms of the way that your game has to be completely different. You know, you have to be responsible to the other 10 players around you. You have to be positionally aware. You can't just be trying flicks and back heels and these tricks on the halfway line just to get a rise from the crowd and everything. You need a responsibility to win the game. And um, sometimes it is a lot more sterile. The difference with Rooney is that he had... This insatiable desire to know about the game. So it is more like refinery. That's the way that I would say. Yes, there was the natural, um, that natural burst of thing, but it's more like, you know, when you get to the, the age of 21 or 22, we start asking yourself, which you wouldn't do when you're 16 or 17, is this the right thing to do? And now it's not going to be naturally a question that's going to take six or seven seconds to answer. It might only be one or two seconds to answer. But the things that he you know like he was whacking volleys in and chipping the ball in from like in his first season, he was just doing the things that he just well, he just wanted to do, and he was liberated to do that, but in the subsequent seasons as united were like their ambitions were getting higher by the way in the first couple of seasons that Rooney was playing, and the ambitions were high, but they weren't you know they weren't achieving they were like finishing second or third, they weren't close to a title push now as Rooney was twenty twenty one now they were serious championship contenders and, and rooney needed that he needed that forward step as well so the better that he was getting the better that united were getting as well so you've got to say that that coincided and yeah i know what you're saying the natural because that's the, the age-old argument with rooney did you take some of the fire away from him from when he was younger but yes possibly i mean you can definitely see that because the, that burst isn't there but at the same time he was better. He was a better player, and and United were achieving more. So the argument speaks for itself. And once you know, that's the experience of a Keane, a, Ferdinand, a Giggs, and Ronaldo. All these lads now, he just made him a, a better player. He's more positionally aware. I to Renny Mullenstein for the book, and he praises Rooney's intelligence non-stop. You know, which a lot of people didn't. So he obviously, I mean, if that's people who know him close and they know how good he is and they appreciate how good he is as a footballer and how smart he is. That came with age, um, but he was obviously very interested in the tactical side of it. But they, Mullenstein would joke just to get a rise out of Rooney that they based entire training sessions around Rooney just because his intelligence was so high. Um, yeah, and I, I think that answers the question, Mike. Um, I hope he does anyway. I think. Yeah, it's no,
0: thanks. For, yeah, no, it's good. That's good. I, I mean, you mentioned Rene Mullenstein there, and, and, and there's, there's parts of the book where, which you quote. Uh, Mullenstein and, and his interactions with a young Wayne Rooney and his thirst for knowing more about the game. Having read the book, we shouldn't therefore be surprised how well he's doing as a manager now, should we? The way he manages the media, the, the way he's managing the scrutiny at, at an incredibly tough job at Derby. It, it's almost like from a young age, it was, go- it, it, it was just going to happen, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. Uh, from from um, a footballing point of view, I'll make my last George Best comparison and it's um, to do with the fact that everyone who talks well about George and uh, the ones who really studied his game would say he was a player who could play in any position in the team and he'd play, play it well because he understood the demands of playing in that position. Rooney's similar. Anyone who talks about Rooney. And they're the only two players and that's why I've made that comparison a few times not just because I wrote books on them both but they're the only two people I've ever uh, talk about like that, you know. That they could play in any position um, and and play well because they understand the demands to play in that position. That sort of sets him up for a good role as a coach anyway, because you would know that he he knows what is needed in those different positions. But the the other side of it, the pressure. Yeah, of course he's played at the highest level at one of the most the most successful times and the most highly demanding and critical times for United. Because even when they were winning. Um, from that period of 07 to 2013, or 07 to 09, which is one of the most condensed successful periods in in football history, that there were still criticisms. You know, if United didn't play well um, in winning or if they, they fell behind or if whatever happened or something off the pitch happened, there'd be criticism even when things were going great. And the same international tournaments Rooney carried that can for maybe three of them, three international tournaments. He was cited as the the major reason for why England didn't win anything. So he was always there as enemy public enemy. Number one, sometimes very divisive figure. Uh, He knew what it as, as crazy as it is. He knew what it was to, to be hated by the fans who love you at Everton. at United after the transfer request and it's a lot for a young man to go through. He's still younger than both of us, you know, and he went through all that and obviously made mistakes. um, And he, and he's gone through them and who knows, he'll make more probably, but that maturity and that experience has got to set him in good stead. He's still a very young manager, obviously, but all those experience have got to help. And he's very, in a very unique position as well, because not many people have, Achieved what he has achieved under the glare of all that um, scrutiny. At, you know, we're talking like in England, in in terms of English footballers, Gerard can't come close to that, and Lampard can't come close to that, and they're the two closest to Rooney. Rooney dealt with, perhaps Lampard because Chelsea were more successful on a domestic scale, but Rooney's level of achievement, you know, he was top goal scorer for for his club, and he was top goal scorer for for his country, all while. Carrying that weight of criticism, so yeah, now he's now he's in a position at, at Derby where the really the criticism isn't that high for him. People are curious about him, aren't they? they they're yeah. kind of willing him to to be good. I think everyone's willing him to become a good manager because we want to see what it could be. Obviously, that criticism is going to come at some point, and he's probably now bracing himself, thinking, oh, it's all well and good now. I'm doing well, you know." But yeah, I mean it's funny because I've talked to different people about this, like, what is is finishing second with United worse than relegation for another team? Those kind of weird dynamics, in, in you know, like he's underachieving at United worse than bombing with a team down the leagues and stuff like that. And it's all about different levels of pressure, you know, and that's what it comes down to, and how, how well you can handle the pressure, and sometimes Rooney hasn't handled it well, but he's in a different, he's on the other side of the coin now, isn't he? He's, a, he's, he's sort of in a position where, as a footballer, sometimes you know, and I and mean, everyone was saying this for for years, they didn't want the sport to go out of him. So imagine having that kind of conflict within you, where people are saying the the thing that they're criticising you for. They don't want you to actually lose. As a manager, um, he's got that opportunity to be more considered. He doesn't have to react all the time. So it's going to be very interesting to see. I think all those experiences can only help him because um, they can't. I, I can't see how they can hurt.
0: Yeah. I mean what, what what's good about the book is that it gives us an opportunity to you know in, in, in you know in three hundred and fifty odd pages to look at his whole career and be able to judge him because we forget, you know, we forget how good he how good he is. You know, he is a fa- he's a fantastic player. Wayne, how do we actually remember Rooney the player? Because there there was a great quote from Fabio da Silva in the book who makes what I think is probably one of the most perceptive comparisons in the book. Um, And the comparison is in the productive output of Benzema and Rooney and compares them to Cristiano Ronaldo. And it is only Ronaldo's freak numbers which put into the shade what Rooney and Benzema achieved for their clubs. And what Fabio said was that only after Rooney departs, both United and then Madrid, do many appreciate the value of both of them in their own right, I mean, Fabio says Rooney was always that good. So are we unfortunately blinded by what others did to fully appreciate how good Rooney actually was?
1: Yeah, the, yeah, I think absolutely. And the other, the other quote that's in there, and it might be Fabio, it might be Rafa who said it, um, it was about how whoever Rooney played with at United, he made better. He yeah. was—he he, complemented their abilities. He was never incompatible. If you look back at some of the players, in even Cantona, Hughes—they were play. You would say that Cole was definitely one. Solskjaer even Sheringham—all these players, you would say, oh, they're incompatible with someone because the style's not the same. You would never ever say that about Rooney. He was almost like a chameleon. He was almost like, well, Van Persie's got his limitations, so I'll compensate for them. I'll, I'll be the alpha number ten. You know, Chicharito, I'll play my style a little bit different R- ronaldo I, I can drift wide tevez tevez and rooney together i would have loved to have seen that for four or five years because they they had such complementary abilities they it was it was almost like Colin yoke again because they were so similar but even even more because Colin yoke weren't as similar as rooney and tevez yeah. um so th- those kind of things really played well with every Even with Welbeck, they had a good understanding. And Welbeck was so unpredictable. So imagine having the composure at that point in his career, as he did Rooney, to be able to strike up a successful partnership with him as well. So that's like four or five. There was a little while that, and I'm sure if they'd have worked harder at it or worked longer at it, that Rooney and Van Nistelrooy would have been a better partnership than what it was. That was a little bit um, less traditional because I think Van Nistelrooy would have, he was the kind of one who provide. Preferred to have service rather than um, play as a dynamic number, you know, a dynamic 9 and 10. Van Nistelrooy always wanted service from whoever he was playing with, where I don't think Rooney would have always been like that. He liked to get on the goals himself. Maybe that would have been the one that would have been a struggle, but everyone else, even Smith, even Sahar, when he played with them, There were very good moments for Rooney because he was that good. And I think that you mentioned the point with Ben Zemmer and and Ronaldo. Yeah, it's just an extension of that point, really, that he was able to make um, good from every partnership that he had. And that's a testament to to the quality that he had as an all-round footballer, because a lot of the players we've just mentioned had limitations in one area of the game. Mm,
0: And I think on this, I think the book does make an accurate case for Rooney being... Every bit as good as his contemporaries at the height of his power, and mm. reflecting back that that is correct, isn't it? He, he was that good. He was that good. Mm. Um, Rooney was a winner, is a winner, and him striving for success, demanding it from his club, led him to believing that the club didn't match his ambition. And, and in your chapter, The Summer of Discontent, that was, I guess, the beginning of the end, and a rift that emerged between the, the, the star player. Um, uh, united and the fan base that never really healed totally for everyone did it
1: no it didn't and it was a bit a bit weird really because you look back over the time i mean united have pretty much always been at their best when they've had one of their star players who i don't want to say in opposition to the manager but would clearly stand up to the manager right. manager a player who was brave enough to do that going all the way back so Roger Byrne with Matt Busby, Martin Buchan with Tommy Docherty, Brian Robson with whoever he was with, Roy Keane, certainly with Fergie. And, and Rooney would have seen that, you know, and he would have seen the likes of Giggs and um, Neville be able to hold court with Ferguson and not necessarily bow down to every, every single thing that he said. So there wasn't any reason why Rooney say. Uh, there are a combination of elements really that perhaps contributed to that. First of all, that he was scouse, um, which is so basic, but it, it's got to have played a factor in there. Second, that I, and real I wonder if you could put this on Fergie more than Rooney. The fact that um, Fergie was the one who made it public. He was the one who said that there was a transfer request and that Rooney wanted mm-hmm. to leave. And and you know that we're not ambitious enough that kind of thing putting out there. Now that was, Paddy Barclays always said it that it was a, one of Fergie's best performances, and I agree. You know that press conference, and it was a masterclass in how to sort of handle that in a, in a way. But in in a way, it kind of projected Rooney as the villain. And I remember, I can remember a period of time where everyone was demanding an apology for from him oh. at the time of the transfer request. So he signed, the, he signed the new deal, as we all know, and he said, sorry. Like he said, oh, I'm sorry to the fans, blah, blah, blah. And then they kept wanting him to say sorry again, you know? Yeah. And he's like, well, he already said it, you know? And, and then they, they kept saying it, you know, he's going to be sorry. And I think once there was a quote saying, well, if I've got to say sorry again, I don't know why, but I will kind of thing. And I don't think that was particularly held against him as such, but it was kinda of like representative of the fact maybe Rooney was a bit tired of it. Like, why do I have to keep doing this? And then the fans were, you know the timing of the transfer request as well came out on the back of the um the it was it the World Cup, wasn't it, twenty ten, yeah. where he turned to the camera and he it's basically shouted down the camera. And then the press had turned on him earlier in the season where there'd been an infidelity or accusations of an infidelity and that come just before we played against Everton. Mm -hmm. Fergie rested him from that game and what happened from that was Fergie said he had an injury trying to protect him from the bad reception. Rooney comes out and says there's no injury and I, I think it was basically like if you imagine Beckham coming back from World Cup 98 but it going badly you could have imagined it going a little bit like that. Do you know, um, season starts not quite so well, like it didn't in ninety eight, ninety nine, and maybe if yeah. Beckham had come out and said, "Oh, I'm not sure about these new players that we've brought in," you know, and then Fergie took that public. I'm not saying that conversation ever happened. I'm just saying if it had happened badly in the way that it did in 2010, this was an uh, this was an example of it and being handled badly. And the United fans looked at it and thought, "Hang on a minute, we've defended you even when." you've clearly done things wrong that uh, like a lot of people wouldn't have defended you for, but we've defended you because you were ours and that's what you do in tribal football matters. You do it like that. So we were hurt by that as well. A lot of fans were. Um, and even when he came back and did so well at the end of the season, there was still that element of the support who would never forgive him again. And, um, and a lot of people wouldn't, I don't know if, I know I knew some people at the time who said that they'd never cheer another Rooney goal. And he went on to score a lot more goals, so I don't know if they never cheered another one. <laughs> but if they didn't, that's a long time to to have that um, have that kind of descent in the, in the relationship. But I think that a lot of it stems from that. It was quite complicated, to be fair. But um, I, I always knew, I, you could see how complicated it was anyway. So I was, um, you know, I don't know. I... I a lot more. I'm not going to say forgiving. I don't know if that's the right accepting. word anymore. Anyway. Accepting, yeah. And the other element is, and he came out and said it recently with the documentaries that all oh, all the fans were saying the same. You know, we you know we all wanted we all wanted to know where that Ronaldo money had gone, and we all we were all saying that Valencia and Obertan and Michael Owen. I remember remember that i've got you know time up on facebook comes up and it reminds me yeah. every year and i I, thought, I did a post when michael owen signed and um and it was like the seven stages of grief which was please don't let us sign michael owen please don't let it be real please don't let him get the number seven shirt all those kind of things that all actually happened in that in that kind of fa- pattern and um And yeah, a lot of us were asking the same questions as Rooney. I think it was more the fact that, and it, you know, today people are crying out for players to challenge the the hierarchy in that kind of manner and you wouldn't call them betrayals, but it just, I think it just happened that Fergie was, he built this brand of loyalty that you just wouldn't go against Fergie and it seemed like that's what he was doing and Fergie was counting on that and and right he was because it was a masterstroke in the way that it, it turned out.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, we can't talk about Rooney and not discuss his best moments, his best goals. If I ask, many will say the goal versus City, that um, wonderful overhead kit, is Rooney the player in, in that moment. And we can't deny the importance of that strike. In the book, for me at least, it is dealt with um, quite expertly and with such, dare I say, love. I mean, that one passage in the book, for me, poetically encapsulates not only Rooney the player and his place in United Folklore, but also your writing, Wayne. So the strike is seminal, world class, but the writing and the way you tell the story and paint the picture is just as good for me. It, it is beautiful. And what I want to ask you is, you know, did you think, or do you think about how you are to write certain parts, conscious that there are important moments and that your writing has to do it uh, some sort of justice, or is it off the cuff and the words flow?
1: no it was definitely something i was conscious of obviously the theme of the the book particularly when you reach certain crescendos um you're writing a and it was very deliberate you know it's a book about an evocative player you're talking about these emotions i remember them vividly i lived these ones you know like when you're writing an historic book of george best you try and describe it as powerfully as you can but when you are writing about something that you lived and you experienced and you were there in the moment you try and put that in the bubble and present it for for the reader which is what I tried to do because Rooney was like any like Zidane must have been a similar experience for people who, who watched Zidane very different players Cantona is another one I guess that you everyone's experience of that player is a bit different but what you try and do is you try and put into words how you felt try and make it universal in the way that it can be absorbed by the reader and then hope that it resonates. And then even if they don't necessarily agree with, the not even agree, but if, if the way that you are describing, it doesn't describe how they felt, it takes you back to that moment to allow you to remember what you felt when you, you were there. And that was the, the important thing for me, particularly with that goal. Um, because, it was a, a strange day. It came on the back end of this, you know. This he's only just back in the team. His form hadn't been great. We weren't sure if this, you know, have we just committed a load of money to this player? Who he, he's just he wants to go to city, all that sort of stuff. We weren't sure. And and the day that we were there, there were there was a load of people over from different places for for some reason. We had friends over from America. Who were, who were at the game? A friend over from Australia, friends over from Malta, we were all there at the same time, and that's with the regular gang who, who we went to the games with. And where we were on the day is, um, we were sat on stood on the on the stand across from Dan. You know, my mate Dan Dan Bidette, who the the books um, dedicated to. We were like basically on the same row, so when when he scored the goal, I turned to find, we were celebrating of course, but I turned and it was almost like Dan was still, and I was still in the sea of mayhem. And I'm sure if I had turned back to look on the pitch, Rooney would still be still in the air. Do you know what I mean? It was that kind of moment, he'd still be there, like just say, oh, what's happened here As, as time stood still. And he looked what I felt like I looked like, do you know, like what has just happened? And yeah, you do I, I wanted to try and get that across in the book this that feeling of not only they felt that way and you know it came coming as it did after the transfer request the fact that it was against City, with the noisy neighbors all that sort of stuff but also the fact that um it was about the moment and it was about the experience and and to sort of remind you that football is at its best when that is the case so I was very, very aware of that. And on some of those moments, particularly that one, I was very keen to try and make sure that um, I articulated it in a way that even if it's not like this is how you would feel exactly how I felt, that it would transport you to remember how you felt at that time.
0: I'm glad you answered it that way. That's that's, that's the kind of answer I wanted, actually, the fact that, yeah, I'm just writing, and it's just coming and flowing. I'm glad that it was, it was was it was a conscious, it was a thought, it was was in, it's an important part of his career
1: and also that's the i mean it's the cover as well, isn't it it's cover the book that also, wonderful cover yeah I, I obviously i didn't know that at the time they yeah. would be the cover but obviously it was one of those the other thing is that like i said i've been preparing to write this book for such a long time that i've been preparing those kind of things in my head for a long time wow. you know so i've been you know you've been thinking how would i write about this how would i describe that how would i describe the build up and everything even like you know going back to cause it's all set in the scene in the the game the game against West Brom when there was a he was brought on when the and it was a two two draw and the atmosphere was really bad. This was the day before the transfer was broke and everything like that. So, uh, the transfer request broke, so he's sort of setting the scene of this like long build to to this moment and in, and obviously what followed because we won the title um, that season. Um, yeah, you have to think. Of, well, you don't have to think about it, but when you're a writer and you've written this many books and you know that once you're going to be writing about something in particular then obviously you're naturally inclined to think, oh, I've got to make sure that I remember to say this or remember to say that or remember that I felt this or that I saw this or I saw that. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's great insight into how the writer thinks. Um, for me, probably one of the most surprising parts of the book comes near the end, and it's a, it's a here-it-is moment of where he is now. I know we've already touched on about him being a manager at um, Derby, but you write and quote how he loved working under Louis van Gaal and yet, we as fans hated the football. What, what is it about the forensic detail of Van Gaal's coaching style that Rooney admired? And yet, the football that was served up was, I guess, boring in the extreme. Is it looking to the future of Rooney, the manager, who's going to be quite technical, quite detailed? And can we ever see him in the Old Trafford dugout?
1: Yeah, it's, I don't know really what. It- it might have been the indulgence, the fact that he was indulged from day one in a way that, you know, um, Moyes had to indulge him because he, had, he was basically, he started in a very difficult position, Moyes, and he needed to keep hold of Rooney, so he needed to be indulged. Van Gogh didn't need to indulge people, and he famously didn't. So, if you know, if you weren't in his good books, then you were gone. So, I guess in a certain way... There was like a badge of honor to be indulged by him, and the way that he was mm. at a time when everyone was saying that he was on the decline would have been an ego boost for Rooney as well. um The other stuff, the tactical stuff, and the stuff. I mean, Rooney was. He, after a year of Van Gogh being there, Rooney and Carrick confronted Van Gogh about the training and everything like that. But um, Van Gogh, dis- um, he sort of disregarded that, didn't he? It's, it's not necessarily a, a confrontation, more a. A discussion and i think even that those kind of things rooney like appreciated and he was only really there for two years it felt like a long two years but um i guess when you've you've won everything that there is to win and you're still at a relatively high level and you've got the security of a long-term contract in you the captain i guess is a kind of investment that tolerates underperformance because you want to be seem to be understanding what the manager's trying to deliver. I really don't know. It's a very fascinating period in United history and particularly with um with Rooney because he went on to say, didn't he? and I don't know if this is the key kind of thing that he works with. Maybe it was just a, a dig at Fergie, but saying that Van Gogh was the best coach that he'd worked with. Um and, and remember Rooney worked with Mourinho as well. Um, so yeah I don't know. In terms of like you know what he's going to do as a manager, that's the thing that we don't know, right? You see all the other stuff, the intangibles. Like he obviously can get the derby players fighting for him, and so you would presume that he can. That's the quality that he's got within him to make players fight for him, which is a very difficult thing that you can't take for granted. If that lasts, if it's not just because of the situation that they're in, the other stuff like is he is he tactically aware as a manager? Can he play good football as a manager? Is he able to do that at the high level, which aren't easy things to do? They're all the things that we're waiting to see, right? I think if that's that part of it's impossible to predict, but all the other stuff is the stuff that you've might have said over the last few years that United have been lacking you know, the the lack of desire, the lack of knowing what it takes. I mean, Solskjaer knew what it took, but obviously wasn't very effective in translating that message to the squad because they weren't playing in the same way that Solskjaer did. Maybe Rooney would be more effective at translating that message for a new a modern footballer. It seems like he's doing uh, you know, a Derby at least. So maybe he could do that at United. Maybe he'd be less accepting a standards. Solskjaer was a public face. He'd he very much talk highly of the players. Maybe Rooney wouldn't be like that. Maybe he'd point the finger the other way around. That kind of thing. I He's what I always thought I always thought that when Mourinho was a manager, it was an inevitability that he would end up at United. I'm not saying I, I definitely feel like that with Rooney, but I feel more strongly about that. And by the way, this is going to come out in a certain way, so I hope people listening to this don't think I'm saying Rooney should be next manager. I'm not I'm talking four or five years down the line. I feel that there's more an inevitability that Rooney would be a United manager than probably anyone else in football. I'm talking Tenog and Pochettino, these are players, uh, managers who people mention with the Conte, they mention with the job all the time, but there's something about them that I'm thinking of. Well, there's obviously a reservation, you're not quite sure, do they really fit United, blah, blah, blah. But it just feels like the trajectory of Rooney and um, United seems like it will meet again at some point.
0: Excellent. Um, before we go, Wayne, um... A quick ones.
1: Firstly, what is your favourite Rooney moment? Um, yeah, it's it's the one that I described in the book uh, in the conclusion because you try and think of the goals. It's the question that everyone always asks: What was your favourite goal? Like we did, we already talked about the overhead kick and everything like that. But it, I think the moment is the the Champions League debut, the debut for United, because I I was there with my brother and it was just that feeling afterwards that the buzz that you've got after, because I mean, you're watching it unfold and it, it unfolds and it's happening so fast that, you know what I mean? It's like, Oh my God, is this happening? And then afterwards when you walk in, we went back to the train, you know, so getting on the tram and stuff like that. And you're just walking down the road thinking, Oh my God, what have we just watched? you We kind of want to watch it again, do you know, but you know, it won't be the same, but Oh, what have we experienced? And it's only really like you're thinking, what have we experienced? Because it's kind of like you think that you've seen something incredible, but you only really will know that in 20 years. Yeah. To know how incredible it was. And and at that time we felt as sure as anything that you'd seen the start of something really special. Um, and obviously we had an, I think that that's the thing that stays in my mind obviously every every england fan who was at euro 2004 would have probably felt similar you know and from an england point of view or even everton fans who were there when they saw him score against uh, arsenal but to be there that night and to sort of remember it also like this isn't a thing about match going fans or anything like that because it's not for a long time you know i haven't always been to matches but when you go to a match and you've got a memory that's that from a special game, something special happened, and your memory, let's say, is from an angle that isn't seen by the television. Like the two, the two angles that I've got that I always remember are: uh, I was in the north stand for both of these games—the the Newcastle volley and the Fenerbahce debut—and you don't see replays of those goals no. scored from that angle. So I've got that imprinted in my memory forever. Do you know what I mean? And that that's, makes it a little bit different because it's, you've seen it a little bit differently. Um, yeah, um, that, that's it for me. That is debut. Uh, what about you, Mike? I'll ask you.
0: Um, I'm pretty sure, first, I think, I think we played away at Charlton, I think. And um, I think that was the first time that um, we, we sang the Rooney song. Yeah. Pretty sure the the White Pele one, and it, it was just all we were just all buzzing. Pretty sure that it, I'm pretty sure that was um that, that's something that, that that I remember in terms of just, just the song, just you know, just yeah. it, it was a great chant, and um, you know, sung everywhere, home away, it, and and that There's was Old Trafford
1: the, the other night as well. Yes, it was.
0: That. Yeah, absolutely was. Yeah, and that for me is also part of the Rooney story that he had this great chant as well, and yeah, um, yeah well we know he's not Pele, but. He, he was great for United. He really was great. So that, that's probably one of them. But um, you know, there's loads, isn't there? There's loads. It's just the goals, the way. I, I, I tell you one that just popped into my head, and, and I remember reading it as well, is what he did when he was at DC United. That was Rooney, yeah. where he tracked back, got the ball, turned it around, and they, yeah. they went and scored the winner. I mean, that, that's him. That's the playground footballer. That's the teenager who ruled the world. That was it. Lastly, Wade, last question, and I always ask you this, what's next for you? Any new projects you can tell us about?
1: Um, Sammy McElroy, Autobiography is out in a few weeks. Um, And then the uh, biography of Duncan Edwards, which I've I've finished and just waiting to sort of hear news on publications, stuff like that. But we found a home for it. I'm very happy. It's the right place for it. I'm really excited about um, how that's going to come across. That's an authorised like that. one, isn't
0: it? So the family. Yeah,
1: one. author, authorised. I'm with his family. I've worked with his family, he interviewed his family for it as well. Brilliant. So that, um, yeah, it's very, there's a lot of new information in there about Duncan. Um, And there's some other stuff, Mike, I'm sworn to secrecy, but I've, I'm working on something at the moment that's really, really exciting. It's but I'll, t- I'll talk about it off air because me and Brilliant. you are friends. I can't, <laughs> it's not one that I can't make My lips are sealed as of.
0: always. Brilliant. Yeah. Wayne, that's it. Um, the book is out now. Um, tell everyone how they can interact with you on, on, on social media.
1: Um, they can talk to me on Wayne S. Barton um, on Twitter and on, um, on Instagram as well. Excellent.
0: So, Wayne, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for sharing your thoughts on your latest book. I'm sure I'll be talking to you soon about Sammy's book and the Duncan Edwards book. And it's always been an absolute pleasure. Um, this has been Mike Pieri. You've been listening to the No Chuff Podcast. You can find us on YouTube, on Twitter, on at Shoot the Defense. My Twitter is at Pieri. And until next time, goodbye.
1: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps>